Hello and welcome to the Engagement Coach Podcast. Welcome to the Engagement Coach Podcast with your host, Amrit Sander. Now, our, our podcast is called Engaging People, Powering Companies, and we always focus on leadership development, organizational cultures, employee engagement, and everything else in between. And wouldn't it be nice at times to hear or certainly to get into the mind of a CEO? Well, I've got a real treat for you guys today. We're going to get in the mind of Jamie Christon, the CEO of Chester Zoo. Uh, in this podcast, he shares with us his insights of his career, some of the challenges that CEOs face, some of the learnings he's taken, even from as, as, as uh, recent as last week, and uh, some of the pressures that, that CEOs can find themselves in. So you're going to really like this. Um, welcome to my guest, Jamie Christon. Thank you very much. Um, thanks for inviting me. Um, it's a pleasure. Um, Jamie, although I know you and uh, there'll be many people who might have uh, heard of you and certainly the organisation you you lead, it'll be really good to do an intro of who you are, your background, a little bit of a potted history, if, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm uh, currently um, the chief exec at uh, Chester Zoo in the north of England. We're the largest zoo in the UK, 120 acres of uh, parkland, 20,000 animals. Um, and uh, nearly a thousand staff, and we attract around about two million people every year coming here to the zoo. Uh, we also work in twenty-one countries around the world. Uh, in fact, I'm hopefully going out to see uh, one of those countries out to South Africa in a week or so um, as, as part of my role. So I'm responsible for um, the entire operation of the of the charity. We're a conservation education charity, but we're also a visitor. Um, attraction and I've been here at the zoo for uh, eight and a half years now uh, starting as um, chief operating officer and then became chief executive last year um, and before that my um, my career has been in change management at director level both in um, transportation so that's mainly been within the airport world um, and also ferries uh, and then before that in um, retail both on the high street and also in airports so um, I've had a quite a varied career, and it's moved me around the country. In fact, um, Chester was my location of my first job when I left university at 21, and uh, ironically came back here 30 odd years later. So um, I, I, I'm from the north of England. I I love where I live. I love Chester. Uh, we've got a great a great zoo here. I'd be really uh, keen and happy to talk to you a bit more about it. Yeah, sure. Um, and, uh, you know, when we talk to CEOs, or certainly when we in organizations we work with, a lot of people have a perception of a CEO. Um, there's this sort of godlike character that, um, you know, you hardly get to see. Um, what's it like being a CEO? What's the reality of it um, that people may not be aware of, the day-to-day -day stuff? Yeah, well, it's obviously very exciting. Uh, you know, we're a very complex organization here at Chester. And, um, you know, I can be um, talking about in like t today, for example, I've had a meeting this morning about a, a new species that we're bringing into the zoo in a year or so's time. Then I've gone on to talk about I have meetings around a refurbishment of a particular part of the zoo. Um, I've just come off a, a call um, regarding a setting up a regional hub for conservation. Um, I've got a meeting about our um, staff engagement survey a, a little bit later on. So um, it, it is it's very varied and it can change. Uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, we are uh, well-known, so there's a lot of stakeholder engagement, um, uh, there's lots of crisis management, stuff that can go on within the organisation, lots of time spent with people. Um, uh, so, yeah, there's, there's definitely lots going on. But it's, um, 
you can feel very much that you're on stage a lot and everyone's looking at you. Um, and uh, I think the growth of social media as well has made that slightly worse that, you know, you can't escape um, uh, what's going on or people making comment possibly or, um, you know, wanting to, to know what you're doing. Um, and it's really important, you know, when I come here and I'm, I am the chief exec, that I act in the right way uh, for all the team and the visitors that come uh, come here to the zoo. Um, it can be a lonely place as well. Um, you know, I have, um, my, my boss is the chairman of the organization. Um, because of a charity, he's a volunteer um, and he has his own day job. He's not an executive chairman, so I see him or hear from him probably once a week. Um, and sometimes it is difficult to, um, uh, to de-stress, to be able to share your ideas, your problems, um, and because you are the boss, you're always seen as being slightly, um, you know, slightly apart from uh, other people in the organization, which is probably the right thing to do. But at the same time, it can be a lonely job, especially when you realize that the book stops with you. And, you know, working in a, in, in a, an organization where we've got, um, hundreds of, um, what we call category red animals here who, um, um, mean that we need to, um, have the best standards of health and safety and security. Um, and you know the book starts with me in terms of legal compliance. Uh, we we attract and we invite too many people to come here every year, so we need to make sure it's a safe place for them, uh, a safe place for them to visit. And because we're a charity, I need to ensure that our charitable funds are spent in exactly the right way. So you know there is a lot of um, um, you know there is a lot of pressure. Um, I think some of the some of the stuff that I'm, I'm finding a little bit challenging is. Um, because you have to have um, or be aware of most things that are going on within the organization, you don't get the opportunity to get to the, the detail. Um, and I think it's sometimes frustrating for my team because they come into a meeting and they, they think that I am aware of the same detail as they are. And I have to ask them to repeat, what, you know, talk to me again about what the, what the issue is um, because I'm moving from one thing to another to another. So I'm wearing so many hats in a particular day and um, I'm quite often not the specialist in those particular field so I think people find that a bit a bit frustrating but it, it is something that is pretty hard with a CEO that you need to be like the master of everything really um, but you end up being the jack of all trades um, instead um, <clears throat> so um, yeah those are, and I've only been CEO for, for you know, seven eight nine months now so you know I'm still on a bit of a learning curve uh, within the organization and our previous um, structure was there was two of us there was a CEO and a COO and now there's just a CEO, so the role I had before has been merged into mine. So um, I am on sort of like on my own a bit, um, but I have got a fantastic team of directors and, and senior leaders and staff here at Chester to to support me. You're going to shame. You're going to have loads of people hugging you after this. Um, <laughs> um, I I hear that a lot. The, the loneliness um, from from CEOs, from you know senior leaders in boardrooms. And especially with the with the added scrutiny that you have as an organisation, because there's so many people who feel they've got a vested interest, um, and the additional pressure that brings then to say, "Am I doing what they expect me to do?" How do you how do you stay focused on your own vision of here's what I'm trying to achieve without getting swayed by? Well, we see it a lot in government, you know, sort of public opinion sways uh, what should or should not be happening whether it's the right thing or not, how do you, how do you stay focused or, or at least try and stay authentic and true to what you're trying to achieve? I think uh, you, you've definitely got to have a, a thick skin um, as a leader and as a CEO. Um, there's always going to be detractors, you know, people that don't think you're necessarily doing, doing the right job or 
especially when in an organization where you're making change or have made change, um, then there are people who aren't necessarily going to be following or want to follow what you, you're doing. A lot of my time is spent with people and trying to influence and coach and mentor um, particular people within my team. Um, and um, I think the, the important thing for me, you know, every, every day I go home and think, you know, have I made, have I made a difference today? Have I made some impact today? Um, or have I just spent the day um, doing things, but not actually doing anything to help the, 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 the mission of the organization, which is preventing extinction. So, um, you know, as long as I can satisfy myself every day that I've done that, then um, I think I'm doing a good job. And, you know, my, my board of trustees, I have 13 trustees that come from all sorts of sectors of um, society. Um, you know, I've got people from uh, with senior academics to commercial managers to people that work within the public sector uh, to people who have their own uh, their own companies. And um, th- that board of trustees um, allows me to, uh, I, I use them as a sounding board, basically, to, to bounce ideas off and just to ensure that I am doing the job that they want me to do. Um, and the, because of charity, the board of trustees are made up of our members. We have 130,000 members and that, they're basically my my boss, um, you know, they, they've got a shared interest in the organization to become members of the society. So as long as I can, I'm doing a good job keeping those people happy um, and also demonstrating that I'm, I'm making an impact in preventing extinction and whatsoever I do, you know, sat here in Chester or out in the field and that's, that satisfies, satisfies me. It's interesting you say, um, you know, bouncing ideas off people. Well, certainly I think in the old days, I used to think the CEO was the oracle who needed to know everything. Actually, um, I, I do it with my team and we're a small organization. You know, my team, I often say to them, what do you think? Um, I don't have the answers. I'm the facilitator to get things done. Um, but I, I certainly think um, more and more people accept the fact that you don't have to know it all. You just need to know where to get the the right information from. And you also mentioned thick skin. You know, the uh, so I grew up as a really shy kid, um, debilitatingly shy. And, and then, you know, I'm in this world now and, and social media. I've had to develop a thick skin to say, you know, you're going to get some haters out there. You're going to get some people who don't agree with you, and that's okay. It still doesn't detract, detract you from what you're trying to achieve. As long, you know, so I, I completely relate to that. Um, so, you know, when you started your journey, maybe your first management role, you might have had an impression of the CEO at the time, the good, bad, indifferent, whatever it might be. But um, what is it that you have learned now that you uh, didn't know at the beginning of your journey and what advice would you give your younger self if you think you know um knowing what i know now i wish i would you know know the xyz yeah. i i think you know the, the first thing uh, is, is probably ensuring that you know you, you, it's going to take time to become a ceo you can't um leave university have a job and then become a ceo straight away although that you know there are some people that do that especially people who, who start up their own um, their own successful organizations. but well, well, that's certainly the ambition. Most people you hear coming out of university, I'm going to be the yeah. next CEO. <laughs> We've all done it. The, the, the most important thing to me, I think, is experience um, yeah. and experience of life, really. Yeah, you know, qualifications are fantastic, but nothing beats experience. And quite a lot of the, um, the, the way I moved up the CEO ladder was actually making mistakes. Um, uh, you make the mistake once and you don't do it again. Um, but you've got to learn, you know, that old cliche, you, you learn by your mistakes, you do. You, 
you then make sure that once you've made that mistake, you steer the rest of your career in a slightly different way to make sure that mistake doesn't happen again. Um, and you've got to spend time with people. Um, and um, what I've found in, in, in my career is I've spent time with people of all sorts of different levels within different organizations. So I, I recognize now and I've done the job that many of the staff here at Chester do. Um, um, and, I, and I recognize how difficult that is and I recognize what the skills involved in it. But I've, I've spent time managing people um, and understanding people and that's given me the experience that I need to be able to uh, do the job that I, that, that I do. I think um, you know, another important factor for someone who wants to become a CEO is, is try and find a, a mentor or a coach. Um, and that, that could be a friend, a peer, um, or someone outside the organization that you're currently working in who can, who you can bounce those ideas off, who you can share your concerns and uh, worries with about work and your personal life as well. Um, and um, there's no point of bottling things up. You might as well get get it out, get you know, talk to people about where um, where your issues are, and try and get some try and get some support. I also think uh, in in my head, I've always had a bit of a, a career map about where I want to be at a certain certain age within my within my career, um, and that's really helped me steer my my journey. You know, I've, I've gone from one job and then thought, right, okay, what do I need to do to be able to get onto the next? Ladder. Well, I need to on the next room of the ladder. Well, I probably need to stay here for four years and learn about X, Y, and Z. And once I've done that four years, then I'll then I'll have a um, you know a CV that allows me to move on to the next organisation. I'm not saying that I what I'd spent my time career hopping. I possibly did when I was younger in life because that's where I got the experience. But now that I've moved into more senior roles and um, you know the longevity of being in that particular organisation um, um, also helps. Um, Taking opportunities when you when you can as well. Um, you know, life isn't a isn't a rehearsal for something else. Well, we don't think it is. Um, who knows? But um, you know, take those opportunities because quite often you get one opportunity, and if you miss it, then um, you don't move forward. And uh, I think probably one of the opportunities that I had and didn't take was the opportunity to go and work abroad um, when I was younger and experience uh, working life in a in a different country in a different culture. Um, but you know, if you get those sorts of opportunities, you, you, you take them. You can always come back and do something different. But you know, even if you spend a year, two years doing um, uh, uh, d- d- doing things, um, and I think probably the, the the last one is that for people to remember who are on a um, a journey to become a CEO is that it's not all roses. You know, it, it, it the harder you know, the, the bigger you are, then the harder you can fall, uh, and the more difficult it is remaining on that pedestal and remaining in that particular role because you do have a lot of pressure um, on you and it's not a nine to five job and um, you know your weekends are free it becomes a a life and um, you know although I uh, you know I don't work all the time I'm constantly thinking about work um, we're a, a three we, we operate here 365 days of the year 24 hours and so something can happen here um at any time of the day or night and just because you're off work doesn't mean as ceo you've got the ability just to ignore it um so um you know it, it's not you just can't turn off either so it's, it's not all uh, all fantastic you know it's great being a ceo it's it's a i work for a fantastic organization but what what comes with that is is pressure and um and you know a lot of constant work 
I want to come back and, and pick up on the the um, the pressure and the the inability at times to switch off. But but before we do, um, a couple of things you mentioned: learning, um, being you you know a learning organization. Uh, well, you didn't talk about learning organization. You, you talked about yourself. You're you know constantly learning. Um, one of the, there was uh, something I came across that um, in, in fact I was doing a, a talk for a, a speaking engagement for a medical company uh, about speaking up, and one of the things I, I, I shared with them was. It's not often the things that we did do that we regret. It's the things we didn't do. And you know, you talked about your your you wish you'd gone abroad. Um, and I think people and that chance to when a ch an opportunity comes your way, it's often the things that we don't do that we regret. Rather than so, I completely relate with that. And the learning as well. You know, you, a lot of people think as a CEO you've made it. Why? What do you need to learn now? Um, you know, having that mentor, having people around you, guide. Often I find it interesting that um, certainly in L&D, you know, some of the challenges I hear that uh, they've got to try and convince the board of driving learning and development across the organization. But, you know, CEOs and the board members, they're doing it anyway. So I do find that really interesting. Learning is it's a constant. It's not once I've made it, that's it. It's it's we're constantly learning. Uh, just just on learning. Um, just going back to last week. What's the one thing you've learned last week about the, in, at the job you think that was interesting? I'm put you on the spot here. Wow. Uh, yeah, you have. Um, last week, let's have a... Let's You're going to tell me you weren't at work last week, are you? <laughs> no, I was. No, I, I actually had a board meeting on Friday. Let's... Um, what did I learn? I think... Um, you know, one, one of the... Um, w w one of the aspects that I learned last week was about we had a, we had a new... Um, a, a, a new board member who... Um, came from an academic background, but um, uh, used his experience to um, help sway me into something that I didn't think I was going to um, going to move into. And um, the, the learning really was that don't dismiss somebody on face value. Um, you know, take, the, take the opportunity to learn about them and understand them um, as an individual, uh, and then you'll actually find how rounded some people can be based on some of their experiences in life and uh, uh, some of their, um, you know, some of their thoughts. I, I'm not going to reveal or can't reveal, um, you know, what this person did in their background, but this person is a um, a um, an accountant, a financier, um, and what I didn't know uh, is that he actually used to be a um, nuclear submarine commander for the Royal Navy and did something within his um, career history which um, I, w I wasn't aware of, wasn't aware of but it actually made me realize that I, I, I sometimes very easily put people in particular boxes so you know someone's an accountant and I have a vision of what that person looks like and does and both in their personal life and also in their career life um, and and I don't take the opportunity to really think about or see or let them let me tell or you know t tell me um or me learn from them about what they do um and um so this person gave me a piece of advice and it was very useful and uh has shaped some of the stuff i did last week so that so i'm, I'm sort of like going around in a circle here but that's I, sort of good. <laughs> I love that jamie i love that uh just being put on the spot there but the the beauty of um coming out you know how often do we make assumptions about people you, you know you're right we put people into boxes um and we make assumptions and then if we take enough time out people can surprise us and that's the essence of coaching isn't it and all that stuff so yeah I, that's a great great uh, piece of uh, uh uh learning from last week um 
In terms of switching off now, I mean, most organizations are now a 24-7 culture and there's certainly a zoo. Um, but in terms of switching off, I mean, how, how do you switch off? Because certainly the tail end of last year, you know, that, that phrase, my brain has too many tabs open. I felt that. I really felt it. How do you go yeah. about switching off? Um, various different ways. I mean, t- traditional way. I've got I've got a dog, and so you know, going on dog walks. I, they're probably not that exciting at this time. You know, this time of year in the winter because you tend to be doing, doing it in the dark. But getting some fresh air and getting out and about helps. The, the biggest one, which I try and encourage my own team to do, is. Um, down, to try and download all the stuff that's in your head. And what I mean by that is um, I believe that your pro- productivity is sometimes capped by the fact that your brain is full of other things which aren't linked to work. So it could be I need to pay the electricity bill. I need to sort a dog sitter. I need to book that holiday. I need to get the car in for a service. You know, all those things that are going on in your life which aren't necessarily linked to work, but all are sitting in your brain because they're on that tick list of, of jobs to do. So probably once, where I can, once a fortnight, I, there's a particular um, coffee shop that I like in Chester, um, which has got very good Wi-Fi. Um, and I will go um, to that coffee shop with my laptop computer and I will download all the stuff that I need to do and clear my brain of all the, all the bits and pieces of life tasks that have been sitting there and that releases a load of productivity capacity within my brain to be able to then go back to work the next day and and do a much better job than I was doing before because all those slight little worries or things that you need to do have all disappeared, have all been done. And and it also gives me time to do other things like clear my email box or look ahead in my diary to see where I can fit other things in going going forward. Or um, sometimes just to go and read a copy of the newspaper or look at something online or but i think that 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 has massively benefited me and i think hopefully some of my other team uh at work and, and some of my team do different some of them just go home and do the same thing at home others will go and uh you know go out for a walk or that sort of thing you know the um uh i think long gone are the days of you expecting your team to come to work at nine o'clock and finish at five you know that they're paid to do a job uh, and if they can do that job at home or if they can do that job one hour a week, um, then that's absolutely fine by me. Um, but giving them the opportunity to, to de-stress and to be able to um, try and stop thinking about things uh, is vitally important. Uh, always got to remember, though, that um, because of the organization that I work in, um, lots of my team are extremely passionate about the, the, the job that they do, be that because they are caring for animals, be that because they are passionate about our mission of preventing extinction so it is it is very difficult for them just to go home and turn off because what they do becomes a, a life for them and um, you know it's, it's not just a job that you go to um, and they remain switched on because they want to remain switched on um, because they're very excited about what they're doing they go home and research other stuff about what they've been doing during the day or continue working or watch a documentary which is linked to, to what we do as an organization so um, you know it it's not only it's not always bad not being able to turn off i, I can i completely relate you look as a business owner my brain's on 24 7. um i'm constantly even when i in fact like last week's podcast was all about rest and even when i'm resting i'm reading up about scientific stuff about neuroscience and psychology i love it it's a passion um doesn't mean i'm working it's still a form of rest it just means i love what i do um your 
I didn't prime you with that answer. I, I didn't know what you were going to say with regards to rest. Um, yeah, it's a form of reflective practice. And um, when, when I was an area manager, I had a manager um, and uh, she forced me to do this. Her name was Bethan, Bethan Davis. She's retired now. And if anybody knew her or worked with her, she was amazing. And she forced me to do this. And, and uh, she forced me to go and sit in a coffee shop every Wednesday afternoon to go and reflect. Uh, it's just mind-blowing. And, and, you know, she didn't just force it. She she said failure to follow instructions from a line manager is a disciplinary offence. You will do this. I did exactly that. It was that noise in my head. I just need to get down on paper to make sense of it. What am I making it mean? What else could it mean? And, and it was massive for me. It was life-changing, actually, for me. So I didn't I didn't realise you did that. So that's um, really interesting. Um, so, J Jamie, um, with regards to um, the organizations sectors the industries you've worked with um you know chester's is an amazing organization um what have you learned about the success of some of these or how you go how you go about creating a great organization let's say there's a ceo out there or a board you know people in the, on the board of an organization thinking i would love to have a great culture what have you learned about creating great cultures from the experiences you, you've had good bad indifferent yeah, I think the, the, the most important thing for me is the people around you and creating a, a very strong team. Um, and um, that's, you know, that, that, that is the, the number one priority, I, I believe, for any organization, especially if you're trying to make change or trying to change the culture there. Um, I think it was Bill Gates. I remember listening to him once who told me that he, or didn't tell me, but told an, an audience, I think it was a TED talk or something, that... Um, he only knew when he had the best team around him when he actually started to get told he was doing things wrong because he, he brought in a team of specialists who knew their job inside out, knew the detail of it. And um, as a leader, you, you don't have the, the CEO, you don't have the opportunity to do that. It's very unlike, unlikely that you're going to be a specialist in every area of the organization that you work in. Um, and he said, you know, the first X years of his career, everything he did, his team just, just nodded like sheep and said, yes, of course, yes, of course. And he quickly realized that what he needed was a team of specialists rather than a team of lieutenants that would do everything he said um, and not question it. So, um, and, and that's taken me within this organization a few years to, to build up. But I now have a team of people who I can trust, who I know are specialists in their particular roles, who are now on message within the organization, but um, know far more than me about um, their individual, um, uh, you know, their individual individual roles um so i think that's um you know that that's that, that that's massively important i think the other thing that we don't do enough of within the uk is celebrate success you know you watch organizations especially in the us hey, when things have gone right they do lots of back slapping and beers come out and everyone has a party and 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 we look at it and um, think it's a little bit odd and i think it's probably with the british culture that we we're very good at analysing when we've made mistakes and when things have gone wrong, and have a um, uh, you know have a um, uh, you know some sort of debrief about it and investigation and all that sort of stuff. But when it comes to celebrating success, we 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 don't really do much about it. We we accept the success and then we move on to the next failure. I, I don't know what uh, we, investigation. I don't, I don't know whether we accept it or whether we, there's a guilt around it. Yeah, it's possibly. Really yeah, feel, <laughs> I feel, feel a bit embarrassed about yeah. celebrating the things that we do. We, we, we do well, um, but you know, we, it's totally opposite when things go when things go wrong and things are going to go wrong. So we 
from time to time. So you end up spending lots of time investigating what's gone wrong to try and make it right again, but you never celebrate when things thing, things go right. Um, so I think we, we need to do more of that. And I'm very conscious here at, 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 at Chester Zoo, you know, we, we've had some fantastically um, amazing years in terms of performance. And over the last couple of years, because COVID has really been quite difficult for us as an organization, we've had some tough years. Um, and, and we recovered really strongly at the end of last year. And we didn't cel- celebrate success as much as we could do, maybe because we couldn't, because we couldn't all meet together in a room and, and, and do that sort of thing. But I think going forward, I need to do more of it, more of that, and encourage that to happen within the organisation. I think that the, the, the third thing, third and final thing, I'd say on this particular point is is having the ability to listen to the people around you, not necessarily accepting everything they say and um, changing your mind every time and when someone shouts up, but giving them the opportunity to speak out and put their voice, uh, put put their voice forward. Um, you know, I am I am a lead, uh, you know, part of the leadership team and lead the leadership team. And we may not necessarily agree with the voices of other people within the organization sometimes, but giving them the opportunity to speak out and be heard and not feel afraid to be heard and be respected for that, I think is, you know, is, is, is massively important. Um, and, and then communicating with them about why we've made the decision that we need to, 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 to make. Um, you know, those have always been a, a sign of a, an organization with a good culture, um, where you're communicating and listening. Um, and uh, to everyone within the organization, not just the senior senior managers. Yeah, that's great. Um, I, I think there's going to be a lot that resonates there with people. Um, Jamie, I, I only have got to come to Chester Zoo once, um, and then the only other zoo I really got to go to was uh, Singapore, uh, and I, I loved it. And, um, you know, uh, I think Chester Zoo is an amazing organization. What's new? What's what's coming up for Chester Zoo? What, what are, what's, what's next on the horizon? What are you guys working on? Yeah, well, um, we, we have something called a strategic development plan, which is the physical development of the zoo over time. And because of what's happened with the pandemic over the last couple of years, it's basically been put on hold. Um, you know, the first three months of last year, 2021, we were closed. We were closed 208 days in total over the entire pandemic. And because 97% of our income comes from people coming to the zoo, then that obviously had a, a dramatic effect on finances. Since we reopened in March, and, and more importantly, since the restrictions were lifted um, in July last year, the recovery of the zoo has been absolutely amazing, absolutely fantastic. And, you know, we achieved over 1.6 million visitors last year, which is more than we did in 2015. Yeah. And we were shut for three months. So, um, you know, that's that, that's been really good, which is actually meaning at the moment that we're now looking at accelerating our strategic development plan program to mean that we could be building a large development or starting to build a large development right at the end of this year, um, which is part, of, well, it is designed, but we haven't got to certain stages within that yet, but um, pulling it forward 12 months, um, which is something that we've been thinking about over the last few months and something we'll take to our board in, uh, in, in the next few weeks. That will really be a, a reorganization of the Western side of the zoo. So probably about, about 50 acres of the 128 acres um, into a, a new zone called um, uh, Grasslands or Savannah, we haven't decided yet, and also building um, some overnight accommodation. So um, 50 lodges on the outskirts of the zoo, which will allow people to be able to come and stay here uh, overnight and spend more time with the, um, with, the, with the animals and plants that we have here at the zoo. And that'll be a three or four year program. 
So that that's probably the main the the, the main physical element of it uh, that we're working on. We're also working on a, a new iconic species which we brought into the zoo in 2024. We're also working on our um, our conservation master plan, which is six really ambitious targets that we want to achieve before our 100th birthday in 2031, uh, and that's going to take a while for us to do. So um, there's, there's there's lots going on within the organization. There's also opportunities abroad. There's all opportunities for acquisitions, for mergers with other organizations and partnerships elsewhere around the globe. And, and hopefully we're at the, are starting to be at the end of this pandemic and will allow us to be able to go and um, forge better relationships or bigger relationships with other organizations uh, who can also help us within our mission of preventing extinction. So um, that, that recovery is happening. We, we, we can see that that's going to be able to fund or part fund some of the work that we wanted to do within the organization. And, you know, the, the zoo will look and feel a lot different over the next 10 years than it does, it does currently and will continue to strive to be the best and to move forward. Uh, Jamie, you've mentioned preventing extinction a number of times. You know, it's rare to come across an organization that's so focused on its purpose the way you guys are. Every every interaction I've had with you guys, uh, it's just been at the forefront of every interaction, everybody I meet. It's been amazing to see an organization with such a strong purpose, but how it's being brought to life and how you live and breathe it. Um, amazing leaders, you know, you are, uh, you know, you're leading an organization, an amazing, amazing organization. And once people think you're a CEO, you've made it. Um, what else is there left? I'll be, I'm intrigued to know, you know, who are the great leaders you are, you look up to, the ones that you think, I wish I could be like, who would those be? Okay, um, probably two spring to mind. One is current and one is past. So if, if, if I start with the current, um, there's a um, a guy that I've been um, following on social media and listening to his podcasts um, and actually heard him speak at the back end of last year about his career. And that's um, Ben Francis, who's the chief exec of um, Gymshark. Um, young guy, I think he's just about to turn 30, worth £700 million, started his organization in his bedroom and now um, has got to the stage of being um, you know, probably one of the biggest brand names in the UK or internationally. And you know, just at the end of last year announced that he's going to open his first first shop, physical shop, um, you know, after making his online brand massively um, successful. You know, and when I've heard him speak both in podcasts and in person, I recognize his passion and his constant drive um, and see how he's mapped out his his career, although he's only very young. Um, also, I was really um, uh, um, taken aback by the fact that he he personally recognized a couple of years ago that he needed some development in his, his own skills and his own behavior and his um, and in his own experience and stepped back as CEO for a period of time to help develop those particular skills before coming back into the organization. So for someone to recognize they had development needs and to step back and you know go do something else for a bit and and then come back into the organization to be bigger and better and more productive um i think is um absolutely um absolutely amazing so he he's he's one that you know i i admire for where he's got to at such a young age and you know how um how transparent and really is about his own particular journey his is interesting because he's he's got drive, passion, but then humility is it's it's a real combination of you know greatness, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a he's a really nice guy, um, yeah. um, and you know I, I wish him massive success in, in the future. And I'll continue 
um, you know, keeping an eye on him, social media and what he's doing next. The, the, the other person uh, and a historic figure is, um, um, really relates to what I did when I was at university. So I, I read politics and British government um, at university and um, a lot of that was to do with the, with the politics of the Second Second World War. Um, and of course, Winston Churchill being um, Prime Minister of the UK. Um, I, I've always admired, I always admired him um, as an, one of the one of the world's best orators um, in the speeches that he's made and the way that he'd galvanise support from uh, within politics and um, outside in the general public. He always came across to me as being a man of the people. But, you know, he wasn't a um, a, f- a figure who was slightly aloof from um, the people that voted for him. And I'm, you know, thinking possibly of um, examples of totally the opposite in the in the government leaders that we have, that we have within the UK at, 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 at the present time. You know, to be able to go through that, go through the Second World War as a leader and have the confidence, the personality, um, I think is amazing. And having that presence as well, you know, we always seem to um, get have presence in every, any room he walked into or any situation that he was in. Uh, and someone that overcame detractors as well, you know, and had that thick skin and continued to battle through, knew what was right um, <clears throat> and, you know, wouldn't give in um, to anyone both, you know, within our physical enemies being um, the, um, the Nazi party in, in, in Germany at that time, but also within um, national politics. <clears throat> and he had, he had that strength of character, uh, he had that respect. Um, so, um, you know, put your question in a slightly different way, Amr. You know, quite a lot of people said to me, you know, if, you know the typical question, you know, if, you, if you had a dinner party, who would you invite? Um, probably Ben and Winston. Uh, both ends of the table and, and you know i'm sure that'd be quite an entertaining evening what a dinner party that would be um jamie um thank you so much for your time today it's been fantastic uh listening to you uh your insights i'm sure so many people out there will have gained so much from what you've shared about learning about um your experience about people about passion about purpose so uh, i really appreciate your time thank you very much thank you thank you so that was our podcast today with Jamie Christon, CEO of Chester Zoo. Uh, fascinating insights. And especially, I really like the, the just the being curious about individuals. And you never know what you might learn about people, uh, especially when we've made assumptions and put, we put people into boxes. And then you learn some fascinating things about people. That requires us to be open uh, and, and to, to be curious. So fantastic insights. Thank you, Jamie. Um, if you like what you hear, please subscribe. We've got podcasts being released every week. Uh, on leadership development, employee engagement, and everything else in between. If you would like to be a guest and you've got a a particular lens that you'd like to bring to the world, we'd love to hear from you. We're always looking for fascinating insights, so please get in touch. Otherwise, we shall catch you again next week with a new podcast, new guests, and new insights on leadership development, employee engagement, organizational cultures, and everything else in between. Amrit Sandra from The Engagement Coach. I shall see you soon. Take care. The Engagement Coach Podcast.